0: This is episode number 1,199 with Dr. Walter Longo. Welcome to the School of Greatness. My name is Lewis Howes, a former pro athlete turned lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you discover how to unlock your inner greatness. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let the class begin. Welcome back, my friend. Today's guest is Dr. Walter Longo, and he has 30 years of experience in the field of longevity and healthy eating. He's the director of the Longevity Institute at the University of Southern California and the director of longevity and cancer program at the Italian Foundation for Cancer Research's Institute of Molecular oncology in Milan Italy in 2018 Time magazine named Professor Longo as one of the 50 most influential people in healthcare for his research on fasting mimicking diets as a way to improve health and prevent disease he's also the best-selling author of the longevity diet and in this episode we dive in deep on the main causes of people not having longevity in their life what the longevity diet is and why it works the five pillars of longevity, and so much more. And I tried to question as many variables as possible around what helps and hurts our lifespan. So I know you're going to learn a lot in this interview. And if you're inspired at any moment or learning something new, then please spread the message of greatness to a friend, a family member, or post this over on your social media platforms. Make sure to tag me and Dr. Walter Longo as well, so we can stay up to date on what you're listening to and what you're liking about this episode. And I wanna give a shout out to the fan of the week from Lighters who says, by far my favorite podcast ever and it's truly helped me to become more emotionally stable, positive and have more belief in myself. The content is truly insightful and addresses the core of issues rather than just providing relief from the symptoms. The world would be a much better place if everyone listened. So Lighters, thank you so much for being the fan of the week and leaving a review. And if you're listening right now and you want a chance to be shouted out on the podcast as a fan of the week, then just leave us a review over on Apple Podcast right now or at the end of this episode and let us know which part you enjoyed the most. Okay, in just a moment, the one and only Dr. Walter Longo. I read a stat recently that... Between 150,000 and 180,000 people in the world die every day. I'm not sure how accurate that is, but that's the stat. Sounds about right. 150 to 180,000 people a day die. Um, what do you think is the main cause of people dying earlier than they should be dying?
1: Well, there are lots of causes. Of course, you know, in different parts of the world yeah. have very, very different. So, some, lots of people die of malnourishment. You know, they don't have enough food. You mm-hmm. know, and uh, but lots of people, maybe now more people, die of too much and too much food and Obesity. too much food that is bad. Right? Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah. So I think that that you know, even China and the Middle East and, and, and regions that uh, traditionally. Uh, we're doing very well. Now you're starting to see obesity, obesity overweight, diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, and so that certainly is at the center of uh, uh, just too much food, and, and, uh, and the wrong kind is at the center of, of almost every disease that you can think of. Really?
0: Are, are more people dying from too little food or too much food?
1: I don't know the stats on, on too little. I would say. More or much more people are dying of too much food an abundance of the wrong foods as well Yeah, yeah, but but the number of malnourished people is still high. Yeah, so so I think that um, That both are are, are a big problem.
0: What's been one of the biggest I mean you've been studying this for 30 years almost 30 years you're um, You know really obsessed with the data the research and doing a lot of these tests and labs what has been the biggest finding that you've found on extending lifespan and longevity
1: in the last 30 years well it, i think one of the biggest finding findings uh, was the 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 tor pathway right so the the these genes that um because when i first started working with roy walford here at ucla very close by it was 1982, right? Wow. And, um, and we were just doing comparative biology, you know? You take an old mouse, a young mouse, an old person, a young person, and you, at the end of it, you knew as much as before, right? Okay. I mean, you just as confused as before. <laughs> you knew there was dif- difference, but you had no idea why. And so the, then I went back to the biochemistry department, and I started, I went from humans and mice to uh, microorganisms, you know? Mm. And, uh, and that's where I think everything changed. Because then we were able to identify the genes that control aging to the point where we took uh, this microorganism and we can make them live ten times longer really? just by uh, two mutation plus fasting, right? So we fasted them and then we had two mutation: one in what's called the, the shu- what I call the sugar pathway, one is the the protein pathway, plus the fasting, and we completely reprogram life, right? So yeah, so I think that that was the. The, 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 the initial central point that the, the discovery the TOR kinase pathway in in aging um, and then you know we followed that up with uh, uh, with nutrition and and the finding that protein restriction as long as you don't go too far too low uh, that's also central for for aging and diseases and then uh, after that or at the same time the uh, the fasting the use of fasting fasting mimicking diets and just the and there was a, a, a sort of response to what Walford was doing. So Roy Walford, for those that don't know, was uh, probably the most famous person in the world for um, nutrition and aging. Right? Okay. And, um, and he was a, a medical doctor at UCLA and a professor at UCLA, and he was working on something called calorie restriction, mm-hmm. So, which it's a sorry, simple idea. What happens if you take an, a normal diet? And you reduce it by twenty five percent. Just eat less, a quarter less of the of the whatever diet. Instead and of instead
0: of three thousand calories a day, it's twenty five hundred or two thousand or whatever.
1: Yeah, so say twenty four hundred calories instead mm-hmm. of or or two thousand calories, twenty two hundred calories. So pretty restrictive. And uh-huh. actually, in most cases, was more like 1,900 1, calories right? okay, for yeah. for the people that were involved in the trials, and um, and so and and then. One of his students it was here, at UCLA, in Walford's lab right before me. Richard Weindruck, did a study in monkeys. Right, mm-hmm. so they took monkeys in Wisconsin, and they and they did a lifelong. Let's see what happens if you calorie restrict them. If wow. you just give them 25% less food, same identical food, but 25% less. You know, if you look at that, uh, it's remarkable because it, you would say of oh, just revolutionize medicine. Right, they have they go from 60% uh, diabetic or re- insulin resistant to 5%. Cancer mm. is uh, reduced by 50%. So wow. it's cut in health. And cardiovascular disease uh, is reduced by 20, 30%. Um, but then if you look at these monkeys, um, they don't live that much longer. And, and, so, um, and so, wait, so, that- so...
0: So we restrict the monkeys 25% of the food they had less disease or less cancer, but they didn't live longer, is that what you said?
1: Yeah, they had less of all these diseases, all the major diseases. But they didn't live, live longer than they... they live No, they lived a little bit longer, okay. but not that much. You think, you know, eliminate diabetes, less health of the cancers, and 30% less cardiovascular disease.
0: I should live 10 more years, 20 years. Yeah.
1: 20, <laughs> yeah. 25 years longer. I mean, not the monkeys, but let's say, yeah, uh, 20% longer, gotcha. something like that. And uh, um, it didn't happen, right? So, so that tells you that <clears throat> that there were good, good and bad uh, about this diet, and uh, and so then what I spent the next 30 years doing was how can I eliminate the bad because obviously the good is unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. I mean more than anybody could. Dream more than the NIH has been able to do. The National Institute of Health has been able to do <laughs> in all these years. Right? Yeah. I mean, cut uh, almost eliminate diabetes and cut cancer and cardiovascular disease by thirty to fifty percent. So yeah. So then, how do you do that? And and I think that the fast, the periodic fasting mimicking diet is certainly has that that potential um, to uh, allow people. Um, and we'll see, I mean, of course, we got lots of clinical trials, so it's not just an, my opinion anymore. Uh-huh. So lots of clinical trials, but, but the idea is, can you intervene for just five days? And instead of starving people, give them some food, not, mm. not all the food they, they would like, but some food. And could this, what if you do it only once every four months? For five days, that's it, you know? Or maybe even once every six months. Could this change someone's health? So
0: five the, days restricted diet, not restricted every day for the rest of your life, but for five days, a couple times a year.
1: Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So what if you do this fasting, this vegan fasting making diet with you know very specific uh, uh-huh. uh, content, uh, two or three times a year? Could that change things the same way the calorie restriction change things? You know, I mean. It's starting to look like yes mm. uh, it's it's getting to that level right so we'll see but uh, you know is it getting to the abolishment of, of, of diabetes uh, I don't know but certainly you know we have a clinical trial now going um, which finished now in um, Holland looking at diabet- diabetes and mm. you know 12 this is monthly cycles right so um, so we'll see very soon uh, the results of that, but uh, you know, I think there's gonna be a, a trial com- coming out every couple months now wow. uh, using the FMD, so.
0: It, do you think it's possible to reverse diabetes or reverse cancer and disease from fasting and calorie restriction diets? It,
1: yeah, not only is it possible, but we, we do it all the time, right? Really? So we, I just did a, a Facebook live, uh, unfortunately it's in Italian, but we, we took a doctor, <laughs> uh, a physician in Italy, um, and uh, he had diabetes and uh, hypertension. This was a doctor. A doctor, yeah. Diabetes and hypertension. We did that on purpose, right? I yeah. mean, we, so we follow a lot of people. We have two clinics, um, and foundation clinics, right? So we follow a lot of people, and, but we wanted to make this, talk about this case, right? So, so is hypertension, diabetes, taking four drugs a day. Wow. So then we start with the, what I call the longevity diet. this everyday longevity diet. It's pescetarian diet. And he's already improving with that. Then you, you look at the charts and you see, then we start with the, um, with the fasting-making diet. And he was doing pretty well with the hypertension, he was doing pretty well with the weight, but he wasn't quite doing very well with the glycemia, so the, the, pre, the diabetic component of it. And as soon as he starts the fasting-making diet, you see that the, the fasting glucose and the uh, you know, A1C dropping down. And two years later, perfect, no, no drugs, no, no disease, uh, uh, yeah. And, and I mean, I again, I, I wouldn't talk like that if I didn't have clinical trials to sure, back it up, sure. right? But I, I, I just thought that I visualized so well, wow. you know, the, uh, the, the, the what can be done
0: did he, and, so, so what was his protocol for two years? Did he stay on the fasting mimicking every day? It was this once every six months? Twice a year. Twice a year. And then he did the longevity, the longevity
1: diet. longevity diet, but you know, is, is the, the idea at the clinics is work with the patient, you know, yeah. don't revolutionize somebody's diet. Try to start with what do you like? What do you think you can handle mm-hmm. for the rest of your life? You know? And uh, and then work with that. So it's a longevity diet that is really adapted to uh, the need of, in this case, a doctor. Uh, so yeah, he did lots of the things we told him. It, it's some of the others uh, he didn't do. Yeah. And, right. Uh, so, like what? What other things? Well, I I think that um, for example, we we asked them to also exercise, and he didn't exercise. Right. Uh, and uh, we asked them to uh, do 12 hours a day of time restricted eating. So eat 8 a.m., 8, 8 p.m. You know, most of the times he didn't do that. Um, so, yeah. So and if- even without
0: exercising, without doing the time restricted eating, and just doing the longevity diet and the fasting mimicking process twice a year. He reverses diabetes, got off medication, hypertension, lost... and diabetes. What's hypertension? What is that?
1: Uh, high blood pressure.
0: High blood pressure. He reversed that diabetes and lost weight too, or yeah, he...
1: yeah, lost weight. Yeah, lost weight is back to you know he's still a little bit overweight, yeah, but not yeah. that much, and uh, it's perfect. You know, perfect uh, blood markers and uh... now
0: now what is in the longevity diet? What are the pillars of that?
1: Yeah, so the longevity diet is a uh, pescatarian, so maybe fish two or three times a week, uh, and then it's a vegan diet, so lots of legumes, uh, lots of you know beans and and uh, chickpeas, etc. Um, and um, uh, it's a uh, you eat a lot, right? So the idea is to uh, eat a lot of food, more food than you would a, really? on a high calorie diet. Yeah, so you know big dishes, but big dishes. So for example, a a something that I eat, you know. Five times a week, is um, you know a little bit of pasta, maybe seventy grams, like two or three ounces, and then have lots of vegetables and maybe uh, lots of legumes, right? So lots mm. of chickpeas or lots of uh, black beans or, or or green beans. Yeah. So you're pretty skinny. And I'm uh, a pretty skinny guy. Yeah.
0: So I'm, you I'm, eat a lot. So you eat a lot of food, you're I eat a lot of food. Yeah, How do you stay skinny though? Is that a genetic thing or is that the process?
1: Well, you know, um, it's, it, it's a science, right? So the, um, the content of food, uh, will regulate the metabolism, right? Really? So, yeah. So, so not, not a lot the, of, not
0: the quantity, but the content.
1: N- not the quantity. Well, first of all, the, qu- the you can eat a lot of food that is calorie. Uh, low in cal- right? calories, right? So, yeah. It's not dense in calories, a so lettuce, that's already yeah. uh, 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 you know one factor that you have a mechanical. So your intestine, uh, you know, is filled with with food and with fibers, um, and so that already helps um, you Ooh. know um, eating stuff, uh, regulating the, the the amount of food you eat. Uh, then there is also a nutrient base, and you know, the system detects how many. How much of the nutrients you have, and, and what's missing, and if nothing is missing, then that's also an order to uh, you don't need to eat anymore because you have e- everything you need. And then there is a, a further uh, uh, order within the food about metabolic regulation, mm. um, and so that we haven't published a- about yet, but, uh, but let's just say there are components of the food. So, and I cannot tell you what it is, but I can tell you the experiment. So, you take mice. And then um, you, you uh, give them two type of foods that have, in fact, you have more calories, or certainly a lot more food, but a little bit more calorie in diet A, right? Okay. And, uh, and they overeat this diet uh, and they lo- lose weight versus diet B, uh, they gain weight, right? So- Wait, so
0: more calories, more food in diet A, diet B, less calories, less food, and they lose weight in the first diet over And they the gain weight in the second diet. Well, how is that possible?
1: Well, because, you know, the, the regulation of metabolic uh, of fat breakdown, the regulation of, of metabolic rates, the regulation of heat production. Uh, so the system, you know, everybody knows somebody that eats all the time.
0: And they're skinny and shredded. And, 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 yeah, they're and even and,
1: in their 40s and 50s. Yeah, you know, you're like, eat.
0: how is this possible? Is this genetics or is this the, the content yeah. and the context of the food they're eating?
1: Well, no, no. In their case, it's probably genetic. Really? Right, right yes, yes. Some people are just born with the right genes and they can do that uh, because most of the time you ask them what they eat and, and they like, eat yeah. anything, French fries right? and pizza, yeah, uh, yeah ice cream. So, yeah, but, but that, very few people have that, especially, I mean, everybody has that metabolism in their 20s, but as you get to 40s, 40s and, in the 40s and 50s, very few people have that. But when you find these people, it's really remarkable, you know, they, they, they eat twice as much as everybody else. And they stay skinny, and they lose so, weight. Yeah, yeah. So then uh, um, th- that can be controlled by uh, by genes, but it can also be controlled by uh, what food you eat.
0: So let's say you don't have the the uh, shredded fat-burning gene in your sixties, and you weren't born with that. What is the the diet A that these mice had that helped them lose weight and eat more?
1: Yeah, that I cannot tell you, <laughs> but I, but I can tell you, you know, what I publish in my book. Uh, and, by the way, all, all the uh, profits go to, um, or my part, go to uh, charity, and uh, which is, you know, the, the pescetarian diet, so the longevity diet. The longevity diet, you know? so the longevity okay. diet is certainly uh, the one diet that is close enough to, uh, um, to, to being able to cause these effects, right? So... Really? The,
0: the longevity diet?
1: Yeah, so lots, lots of vegetables, lots of legumes, uh, lots of nourishment. Uh, um, and uh, fish a, few fish times a couple, week. Of time, couple of times a week, two or three times a week. And, and always I think each person has to look at their own response, right, like mm-hmm. it, as we just say, some people can burn more, some people mm-hmm. can burn less. So it's really a matter of watching your abdominal circumference, watching your, your weight, uh, watching your muscle mass, you know, mm-hmm. so if you go too low uh, then uh, maybe the proteins is not enough maybe the protein quality is not sufficient, right? So, mm. so um, these, these are all things that are personalized and, and different people uh, may have to uh, adjust to make sure, sure that you know, in the end you, uh, you, you're okay. Can you, uh,
0: can you eat too much or too little protein? How much does protein really affect the body? Whether you're more of an athlete, training hard every day, or just you know, someone who's not working out as much. How does protein, eating protein, play into the body?
1: Yeah, protein is, is very, very important. So you can have too much. Most people have too much. Really. So we're about to publish a meta-analysis and you know, people having too high levels of IGF-1 and this IGF-1 is then associated with mortality, early mortality. Really? But then we see the opposite. We see the people that have too low IGF-1 doing even worse than the ones that have very high. So it's better to have
0: more protein than less.
1: Well, no. The best is to have <laughs> that like low but sufficient level. Okay. Those are the people that live the longest, and uh, um, and those are the people that live the healthiest too. You know, apparently.
0: Too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com where their award-winning app state farm lets you do things your way so when you need help protecting the things that matter most remember to say like a good neighbor state farm is there what's so, what's the amount you should be having on a daily basis i guess
1: well we calculated that around uh, i think it was around 60 60 70 grams of protein per day seemed to be in that spot where uh, it wasn't either too high or too low. Uh, is this, I mean, is, it's is an average. Of This was based on the NHANES uh, on the CDC uh, database in it. the United States.
0: And is this ba- no matter how big or small you are, or is it kind of based on how, you know, if I'm a 230 pounds, do I eat a little bit more? If I'm 130, do I eat a little less? No, this is
1: per kilogram, right? Okay, Yeah, gotcha. so there should be per, um, and, and it should be really... Per kilogram of, of mass of lean body mass, bones and muscle, right? It shouldn't be if somebody has uh, is 50% fat uh, that gets counted, but maybe half, right? So, okay. so yeah, there's some calculation to be done there, but yeah. So if somebody's 200 pounds and it's only like 15% fat, uh, that person needs a lot, lot more protein than more somebody protein. that that is 120 pounds and uh, 40% fat, you know? Right, right, okay. Uh, yeah, so, so, yeah.
0: So and 60 to 70 grams per day based on your your muscle? Well,
1: the number should be between 0.7, 0.8 grams per kilogram, okay. okay? Which I think it turns out to be about 0.32 to 0.37 grams per, per pound. pound, per pound, yeah. Okay, so how much so, protein
0: you should have for yourself per day? Yeah, Got, that, that's okay. how much protein
1: we then adjustment based on this is not enough for me because right, I do right. too much training, too much exercise, so I'm just gonna increase it a little bit until I can. So, for example, we just done a, a clinical trial with cancer patients, and um, and we were trying to keep uh, the make the, the system very hostile to the to the cancer, right? And um, and the and the uh, um, physicians insisted that. that so we gave a little training to the to the women that were with breast cancer, uh, muscle training. Right? Mm-hmm. So we wanted to make sure that they kept the muscle mass. And the uh, an interesting thing, they actually ended up uh, gaining muscle <laughs> muscle mass, right? Uh, so we were just giving them too much proteins. Uh, and the mistake, I think, it was to give them 1.5 grams per kilogram instead of 0. So almost twice as oh, much. Wow. Right? So so anyways, yeah. So you can. You can but by we measure their grip strength and we measure their uh, limb body mass, their muscle function, and you can see everything going up, right mm-hmm. especially the muscle function and the muscle mass so and it, you know it doesn't take that that uh, much so most people uh, could uh, I think come to the clinic here, the foundation clinic create cures uh, foundation clinic and you know they can uh, test uh, um, you and um, right. and, uh, and just make sure that. You have the the right amount based on your on what you're trying to achieve, you know. Gotcha. So how how much does uh,
0: gaining muscle mass and having strong muscles support in decreasing disease and also increasing longevity? Is it important to have more muscles
1: or less? Not really,
0: no. Really? No.
1: Uh, based on
0: longevity yeah, and yeah. disease. If you
1: look at the people that are the longest I, I one of my passion is to go around the world and visit the oldest living people. So, for example, Emma Morano, I followed for the last five years of her life. She got to 117, right? So 117, the third, the the the, the third oldest person who ever lived in, in this planet. Wow! And uh, and most of them are really thin, you know, and really frail. Well, really I guess thin. at that
0: age, though, you're going to be a lot
1: thin. Yeah, but I think you know, if you look at their um, at the way they wear, if you look at the pictures, mm-hmm. and if you look at their sons and daughters, you know, they were skinny. In most cases, they're very skinny. The Okinawans, for example, it's another place in, in, in Japan where they have record longevity, and they're very, very thin. Now, that doesn't mean it's necessarily good to be old and thin. You know, right. It's probably not good. to you break you know? your bones if you fall. Yeah, and, you're yeah. frail. But, um, I, and, and that's what we're trying to bring into this, like right? this age-specific nutrition. We're saying, mm. for example, we published some years ago that those that were 70, 80 years old, I mean, whereas the people that had a low-protein diet, uh, we're doing much better up to age 65 for cancer and overall mortality uh, after age 65. So, when we asked the, the 70, 80, 90 year olds, how much protein do you eat per day? And they answered, very little, they were not doing well at all.
0: They weren't doing well. They were not. With low that. protein. If we
1: asked the 60 year old, the 50 year old, and they said, I have a low, very low protein diet, they were doing very well. Right? Mm. So, so, yeah, so this is suggesting that eventually the muscle, that strength uh, is going to help you um yeah. in, in your older years but it doesn't really help you that much because it's probably um, that those growth factors and the food you eat that helps you keep the muscle is also working against you when it, we're talking about diabetes mm-hmm. cancer cardiovascular disease wow. et
0: if you had a, a magic wand and you could eliminate three foods or three types of foods in the world that we would never be able to eat what would those three foods be that would support you in longevity, healthier body, less disease. What would you say are those? Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't
1: like <laughs> to say that because people then think, oh, I'm, you know, I'm gonna remove uh, red meat uh, from the. Well,
0: if you could uh, minimize it, where you could only do it every once in a while. Yeah,
1: yeah, I would say, you know, certainly processed, uh, processed uh, meats, foods. you know, uh, yeah. So th- those are are, are clearly. In the bad category for cancer, cardiovascular disease, etc. Uh, then I would say probably fried uh, animal fats, you mm. know, uh, oils, etc. When they're fried, uh, they're they're uh, they're not good at all. What happens to the body when they're when they're fried? Well, I mean the the fats change, and when they change, they can cause inflammation. They can contribute mm. to. I mean the number one that causes that in the United States is still. Cardiovascular disease. Right. Uh So yeah, and that's so,
0: inflammation is caused.
1: Inflammation and in the fats, right? So the fats then are gonna help uh, uh, deposit uh, in the in the uh, inside walls of the arteries, um, and then when you have inflammation plus the fats and in these uh, saturated fats, particularly, now you have a recipe for, for Disaster, heart yeah. attack, for gotcha. stroke, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. So those uh, those so are, uh, processed
0: meats, fried animal fats, and what would you say would be the third one?
1: The third one may be like uh, processed sweets, right? So, so the, the, the type of stuff that you see like in a what? package with lots of sugar in it.
0: Oh, yeah. man, the good stuff. <laughs> the sweets. Yeah, well,
1: I mean, you know, yes and no. For example, every day I eat dark chocolate, you know, 85% dark chocolate. I think if you ask me, uh, you know, when I used to have candy, it doesn't taste uh, as good. Well, for you. you know, I, I would have said, no, I already have the candy. If you ask me now, I would say there is no way I'm so much happier with the dark chocolate. You know? Why is that?: Well, because I think there is a, a more richness in, in the flavor, mm. and it's kind of like you know when we're 16, we drink beer, right and, mm. and, and, and coke. Uh, and then um, and then eventually wine comes in, and, and it takes a while, right? It takes yes. a while
0: to, to... Acquire the taste. Yeah, but then,
1: you know, for most people, if you say, uh, the people that are drinking wine or, let's say, high-quality high beer, if they, you say, you want to go back and, and have the, 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 the sugary stuff, and. I mean yeah some people say yes but lots of people say no I mean I would rather have this you know I rather have uh, high quality right. um you know beer or or wine rather than uh, than cheap stuff or, or sugary drinks right so I think it's the same way with the sweets uh, uh eventually you appreciate the, the the just incredible taste of some of the very yeah. healthy sweets that, sure. that that are not necessarily um you know viewed as um as very tasty yeah yeah right but they're more
0: acquired over time and they become very tasty to you over time yeah what um so that fasting has become this massive more mainstream talked about thing we're talking about this before there's all these big fasting apps with millions of users there's tons of fasting books there's different types of fasting there's water only fasting that you do for a few days uh there's you know just Calorie restricted fasting. There's the uh, time restricted fasting. There's the fasting mimicking diet. There are all these different types of fasting? Can you can you break down maybe the pros and cons of some of these that you've seen? Yeah. And which one is most effective for us, or is it something we just need to try and see what works for us?
1: I would definitely say um, no to your your last question. Right. Okay. So yeah. It, it, it's not about trying because um, it uh, um, it can do it, it, fasting is like eating, right? Okay. It can do a lot of good for you or a lot of damage, right? and and uh, um, so I would say that you're starting to see lots of clinical studies mm-hmm. and preclinical, so animal yes. studies, clinical, and, and and at a certain point you put it together and you get a good sense for what works and what doesn't work. It doesn't mean it's not by no means final, mm-hmm. but you get a good sense. So I would say, if you look at the daily type of fast, what clearly works and is not associated with any negative effects is 12 hours, right? 12 hours of 12 fasting. hours
0: of time or to eating. A day. Right? Oh, yeah, don't, eat for, don't eat for 12 hours. Yeah,
1: don't, yes, I say 8 a.m., 8 p.m., stop eating at 8 p.m. and no more food until Next day, 8 a.m. Okay. Okay. So, so, that I would say I've never seen a negative study about this.
0: So, right? if you eat, if you wake up, you eat between 8 and 8, you're good. Yeah. Don't eat before 8 a.m., don't eat after 8
1: p.m. Yeah. yeah. So, that's already a, a very good one. Um, another one, it, now, if you go to 16 hours, right, say 16 8, mm-hmm. you're starting to see lots of benefit, but you start seeing lots of problems. Right? What type of problems? Well, uh, first of all, gallstones. Formation right, gallbladder operation, gallstone uh, uh, formation, they double between the people that fast for 10 hours and people that fast for 18 hours, right? Really? Yeah. So so just to give you one, another one, study after study after study, and we've done the same study, but um, somebody has published it before, we get a chance to, um, people skip breakfast, most people that go 16 hours will skip breakfast. And the breakfast uh, skippers tend to live less, have more cardiovascular disease, have more uh, this is in general, right. <laughs> okay, wait a minute.
0: Let me break this down. So for years, I was always eating breakfast because I love breakfast. Then I heard about intermittent fasting where it's like skip the breakfast and eat at lunch and do the eight-hour window, right? But you're telling me now that the studies are showing that those that skip breakfast are living less and having more problems yes. than if you eat breakfast and eat within the 12-hour window.
1: No, if you just eat breakfast, not eating breakfast. Right? Gotcha. So just
0: eating breakfast. What are the studies showing now between not eating breakfast and eating breakfast?
1: Yeah. So the people that skip breakfast, they're, they're living shorter with more diseases. Really? And then study after, study after study, it's Come not on. one, you know, really? it's
0: very consistent. Is this for people, you know, over 60 years old or No, 20? no, no.
1: Yeah. This is just looking at people, did they have breakfast or not? Uh, and wow. then follow, you know, let's say for 20 years, the mortality of those that historically never eat breakfast.
0: Are there other conditions around that where they
1: were they over, adjust,
0: overstressed or they were, you know, didn't have good relationships? or
1: They adjust for, for most of it. Uh-huh. But it's possible. But my point to, to those that say, well, maybe it's something else. It's not the right. breakfast keeping. Yeah, say, but, but if it's so beneficial to go 16 hours a day of fasting, why doesn't it at least bring you back to normal life, right?
0: Interesting. So, so, so why, uh, why is breakfast so important?
1: Well, nobody knows, but it could be that it's setting up the metabolism, right? It's setting up the metabolism to be, in a, you know, like we were discussing earlier. Wow. Right? So it, it, if it's affecting the way you burn fat, if it's affecting the way your insulin functions, et cetera, et cetera, eventually you could be more prone to you know, insulin resistance, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, wow. et cetera. You don't need very much. And also the heart, right? So it could be the, the ketone bodies, this continuous high level. So when you fast, these ketone bodies, this is what the word ketogenesis comes from. These, break, these byproducts of fat are going up in the bloodstream, right? And, and, uh, and also fatty acids, right? The fat is, uh, themselves. And these can can alter the way your heart works and mm. the way your, your brain works. Um, so we don't know, but it is possible that by having lots of that all the time, now the, um, some of the systems now uh, develop problems and uh, not and, uh,
0: wow. improving. You know? So it's okay if you're doing like um, a week-long fast or a three-day fast to obviously skip the food or have less food during breakfast, but you're saying skipping breakfast on a consistent basis has proven that it's not a good thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, wow. obviously nobody, nobody did an experiment where they say, well, let's randomize that 10,000 people and you skip breakfast and you don't and let's wait 30 years, right? They right, cannot be right. done. But it's epidemiological studies. So, you know, you look at the, the databases and you say the breakfast keepers you know, are they doing better or worse than the non-breakfast keepers? And they're doing consistently worse. Wow! And this is why you want to say, okay, if you want to do sixteen hours, talk to a doctor. Fine, it could help you. You know, do it for a month or two, but then, then find something back. else. Yeah, find something else because you know it, it does do have a, a, a beneficial effect. It can have lots of good. could do lots of good things, but then eventually, uh, you, you don't want to keep it for interesting. For 20 years. Yeah. yeah. So that's that's uh, the sort of daily uh, stuff. The uh, once you get to alternate day fasting and all that, I think it's just crazy stuff. You know, uh, it, it, it's just you know I always say I have a difficult time at asking people to go from four coffees to three coffees a day. Right? <laughs> so when when if you go to someone and say, "Oh no, from now on," beside the the potential you know long term problems that we just discussed, right? So if sixteen hours does that. What could happen if you don't eat every other day, right? Oh. Um, but beside that, just the, the, the feasibility, the fact that people are actually going to do this, it's just extremely unlikely. You're looking at you know, one person out of a 100. Maybe they can not eat every other day. Right, right.
0: What about the, one, one day a month? You're like, I'm going to do a 24-hour fast one day a month. Is that show yeah, benefits? Yeah, no,
1: and nobody knows, right? Nobody knows. The, the problem with that, and this is why we, we, I, my lab and, and my group is always focused on this, uh, developing this fasting-making diet, is that in in the one day, you, you don't quite get into the ketogenic mode, right? In one day of fasting. Yeah, in one day of fasting. So you, you struggle because most people... Uh, would not view that positively. I mean, you know, tomorrow or next week, I, I, I'm not gonna have a day where I don't eat, right? So it's a struggle, and uh, and also you don't quite get, so you, you're hungry uh, for that 24 hours, and you don't quite get into a, a fat, uh, a, a starvation response mode, uh-huh. right? Yeah, that's why we're saying um, probably um, the system, I- if you look at our history, right? Uh, most likely, we don't have, we can't go back in time, but so most likely, um, in the summers, we were, um, we had the job to get fat, right? Mm. Uh, Fill up for winter. Lots yeah. of fruit, honey, whatever you can get your hands on, eat as much as possible. And then the the diabetes and prediabetes. you know, the, the insulin resistance that then leads to diabetes, so insulin doesn't work as well, it was probably part of that, process of making you store fat. Put away as much fat as possible. So now, you know, this can be activated any time in the year, right? Because people overeat all, uh, uh, all year long. And so probably, not probably, what we see now clinically is that when you do, let's say five days of a fasting-mimicking diet, or it could even be water-only fasting, uh, you unlock that. You seem to unlock that mode where uh, and this is why the doctor that I was telling you about you see even you see even, even uh, l- using the, fa- the longevity diet, but it's still not quite losing that insulin resistance until it does the fasting making diet. Really? that changes you, and you clearly see the slope of, of the, gla- the, the glucose levels uh, huh. curve and, and, and so the, yeah, probably
0: and the, the fasting mimicking diet is around like three to five hundred calories a day type of thing, is that right? Or
1: no, the, the fasting mimicking diet uh, is uh, the one for regular people is eleven hundred calories on day one and then it goes, then it goes 800 to eight hundred calories gotcha. on day two, three, four, five. Right? Okay, so gotcha. So it's eight hundred calories for the last four yeah. days. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so then then the possibility is considering that you know seventy over seventy percent of Americans are either overweight or obese. Uh, now we're saying if you uh intervened a, a couple of times a year at least and you remind the system we are not in summer mode uh okay let's go into winter mode let's go into mm. let's burn these fats because uh um, you know we're, we're no longer having to store them um yeah so that that could be the the trick of the the five days versus let's say one day a month interesting which which may keep the system um confused and not sure, did we reach another phase here? I is understand. it, do we need to go now into a fat burning mode or can we stay in the fat accumulating mode?
0: You know? So what's the difference between having the fasting mimicking process of five days, 800 to a thousand calories
1: versus water only for five days? If I've done it, I can tell you the difference. I've done it one time. With water only for five and days? And I remember every day of it. Right? And the pain
0: of it, you mean, yeah, or
1: what? Yeah, and To me. It was near torture, really? and we knew that that, uh, that was true when we did the, that I was telling you about the, the clinical trial, the first clinical trial in 2009, I think it was here at USC, on um, cancer patients, and we thought, somebody has cancer, they're not gonna argue with water only fasting. They're gonna do it, right? right yeah. we, we were sure, the oncologists were sure, let's go, let's do it. Nobody wanted to do it, right? Wow. Uh, uh, so this is why we went to the, the government and, and said, uh, we would like to develop a fasting mimicking diet, you know, for for cancer patients. That's that's where it comes from, right? So it comes from from the refusal of cancer patients to. Oh, we're like, I'm yeah. going to eat no matter what. Well, then, to do, yeah, it's it, it just it's a safety issue. Uh, there's lots of things in food that um, that are important to maintain high enough glucose level, high enough blood pressure, mm-hmm. um, et cetera. Et cetera. <clears throat> so once you remove it, uh, I think you know people can do water <clears throat> only fasting but uh, <clears throat> probably in a, in a specialized clinic you know right 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 yeah so if you go to a so place it, does, where it is effective
0: range rover sport leads by example picture this When you want the best, you have to act quickly ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. It is a fact. If you're in a specialized clinic and you have.
1: But watch out, right? Because, uh, again, as we were saying earlier, um, the devil is in detail. And if you go long enough, right? Especially if you're extreme and long, then the body uh, goes into another response, which is thrifty mode. So the body. Thrifty
0: mode. So it stops burning.
1: Yeah. Then the body. It keeps the fat. Let's say you got a couple of weeks without, without. Food at all. The body now has to intervene and say, we're going to be in trouble soon enough, right? So we're
0: going to keep that. We're not going to burn
1: this. We're not going to burn. Wow. And so now you could have, uh, and we know this from long term restriction studies, you could uh, have probably nobody's ever figured out what it is, but it's, it's called epigenetic change. Mm-hmm. So there's a switch that turns on and say, okay, from now on, and maybe for years, I'm now in a uh, saving mode. I'm going to save energy. So now if you, and this is why the the technology is so important, right? So you want to do all the things that we just uh, talked about and don't, you want to avoid all the bad things, right? Mm -hmm. You don't want to get into thrifty mode. You want to get into the ketogenic mode. You want to burn the, the, start burning the fat. Keep that long term and avoid the side effects, uh, you know. uh, Yeah, so all of this, uh, even though people uh, think, it, it, oh, yeah, it's an old thing. People used to do it um you see how uh, the the purpose it, it was not to get to 110 years of age healthy back 2000 years ago the purpose if you were lucky is make it to 50 years of age and have children uh so now mm. everything changed right so now we can't just fast uh, the old ways right right um we have to know we have to be respectful of the tradition and what we learn from all these uh uh, all practices but at the same time we have to bring in the science the clinical trials mm. and say okay how do we where, where do they match you know what's the uh, common denominator sure. uh, for, between all these things you know
0: so who is the woman you said is 117 years old
1: emma morano is her name
0: emma yeah. morano she's italian
1: italian from verbania italia
0: wow what are the uh, the main causes beyond diet of of her living
1: a long healthy life uh in her case, it was genetics, right, so, so, and, and we knew, I mean, you're never 100% sure, but you're pretty sure, because when, when I asked her, tell me about all your brothers and sisters and your mom and father. Uh, they I think all lived we, old. All, all of them, but one over the age of 90. Oh, my gosh. And the chance of that is one in a billion, probably, wow. right, so. Uh, so yeah, extremely unlikely that by chance, uh, a, a bunch of people in the same family, uh, virtually everyone out of 10 people will make it to a hundred
0: and so, uh, so that's a, that's a genetic, that's a gene type of thing. What is the gene that she has or her family has? And is there a way that we can trigger those genes in ourselves?
1: Yes. With nutrition, with the longevity diet and the fasting making diet and a few other things. Yeah. So we've been following now for, uh, Uh, 15 years, this population in Ecuador, and they're little people, right? So they're about uh, three feet tall. No way. Three feet? Three feet tall, yes. And they're lacking what's called growth hormone receptor. Um, But why are we studying uh, these people? Because if you remember uh, our first discovery of the, the genes that control aging in microorganisms, it was in the same what's called pathway. So these these, these uh, um, microorganisms that live ten times longer, they are little, right? Mm. Yeah. So and and then the work by John Capucic and Andre Barki uh, here in the U.S. showing that the mice that have longevity record longevity extension, they're little mice, right? With the same mutation in the same gene, the growth hormone receptor.
0: Both of you, both you and I are kind of tall, though. Are we screwed? No, no, not
1: necessarily, because we know that we can intervene, um, you know, at different stages of life, right? So uh, you, you, you can intervene. You can start a, a nutritional intervention or a pharmacological intervention on a, on a you know, mouse at different stages. Of course, the earlier you start, the bigger the effect you see. But um, um, but but you can still get a lot of the effects uh, later later in life, especially if you consider that that's from diseases, right? So mm. so um, right. if you if you switch your, your nutrition, um, even when, if somebody was sixty years old, uh, they could still make a big difference.
0: Here. You could still extend your lifespan and, and reverse diseases at sixty potentially.
1: Yeah, wow. uh, almost for sure. I mean, I mean, if you if you consider that. Yeah, If you consider cardiovascular disease and diabetes alone, I mean those uh, you can truly uh, revolutionize let's say the chance of developing them or having them progress based on a on a clear and strong change in your in your diet.
0: Wow, what were the other factors beyond nutrition that you think are allowing her to live a longer life well
1: the big big factor was Carlo Bava, her doctor right big factor why because carlo uh the attention and we saw that when i visited monte carlo and san marino you know some of the places they have the highest longevity in the world i realized that one of the major reasons is that they have such a, a close attention to the old person right the, do- uh, the doctors do or the, doctor, you mean the medical the- system right so they they uh, oh. you know for example in monte carlo if you're older they can bring you the food at home uh, they have, uh, you know, ambulances very close by. They uh, so they have mm. uh, they, they have a, 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 a safety system for older people, for older for wow. everybody, but for older people that make sure that if you get a heart attack, they're going to be there very quickly, wow. uh, or they're going to catch it early, or they're going to give you the test, right? So, so yes, a- that's how Carlo Bava was with Emma Morano. He made sure that you know uh, she got checked, uh, she got treated she he had to do some blood transfusion i think he did them at, at, at her home because she didn't want to go to the hospital mm. uh, so this uh so she would have probably made it to 100 on her own but to make it to 117, i think it took uh it took a very inspired physician you know?
0: so it's you know regular checkups it's prevention of things it's not just going through life saying i'm fine it's you know going to do a checkup once or twice a year and making sure blood levels are good and everything's good is that right
1: yeah. I, I think that, um, you know, having somebody follow your nutrition and, uh, and have, have the right people follow your nutrition mm-hmm. is, is key. Interesting. Uh, but, but at the same time, um, you know, are you going to, um, you know, get a colonoscopy or not? Uh, um, are you uh, going to um, check your um, uh, fasting glucose level, like HbA1c? Um, are you going to, you know, have, if you have high blood pressure? Uh, are you going to intervene uh, strongly mm. enough against it without uh, resorting to uh, drugs, right? So so the idea is, uh, I mean, as you introduce drugs, and the more drugs are in the system, the more the system now uh, is going to adapt, change, and now each drug can cause another problem, right? Mm-hmm. So then ideally, you want to uh, try to keep everything working without drugs, which Drug-free. is very difficult, di- difficult to do, and that's why uh, you need a, uh, probably a team that uh, that uh, helps you get there.
0: Let's say you have unlimited resources. Let's just hypothetical situation. You've got unlimited resources or you've got a certain amount of money to dedicate towards a nutritional health doctoral team a year. Who would you want to have on your team or what types of people should people be looking for on their team? Is it a nutritionist? Is it a specific type of doctor? Is it a... You know trainer what what are those people that we should be looking for
1: yeah so yeah so we're, we're trying to do that both in italy and and here in, in los angeles and so um the uh, uh we have physicians that are in, in internal medicine internal uh medicine. internal medicine doctors and um and uh they're they are integrative type of doctors so they understand they appreciate the the um integration with other uh, interventions that mm-hmm. could be, you know, nutrition, exercise, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, then we have we like we like to have um, at the clinic uh, dietitians that uh, have higher degrees, right? The, the type of person that might have focus on nutrition might get a PhD. Right? And uh, and then ideally um, a uh, a psychologist. We don't have that yet because we're still small. But I think uh, that that uh, that would be uh, very helpful. Um, And then the collaboration, which we have, luckily, with lots of hospitals all over the world, right? So, uh, in each case, we look for partners in, you know, usually we do clinical trials, Uh, but you know, our partners include MD Anderson, Mayo Clinic, uh, Mm -hmm. Cleveland Clinic, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, and and so as we develop um, uh, protocols, clinical protocols, then we go to... Some of the, the leading uh, yeah. hospitals, and we, and, and usually the leading hospitals are very open. You know, uh, they, they, they they like things that are different, and they're looking forward uh, or forward-looking. And uh, yeah, so I think that um, that eventually it'd be nice that everybody had that, right? Everybody yes. had the. So you, let's say, you come to our clinic, and then uh, uh, based on the problem. Uh, the clinic says, I think you should be treated by this oncologist or this cardiologist or this uh, immunologist um, because they're probably the ones that are gonna work with the team in a way that, you know, minimizes maybe the drug interventions until you do need the the drug intervention. For example, in a cancer trials, it's all drugs, right? So it's fasting making diet plus the drugs. We've never seen any evidence that uh, doing it without the drugs is gonna be helpful. In
0: how how much of a negative effect does taking drugs consistently in your life affect the longevity of your life? Even on a little bit of drugs or medication or a lot of drugs?
1: Yeah, nobody knows, right? Because I don't know that there is any uh, formal studies on this, but uh, um, I, I think that the body is, is in a perfect, equilibrium yes so harmony everything, yeah everything is perfect it was a nearly perfect let's say you know? um and so for example if you think about uh cholesterol right so now you have a, a statin so this drug is now going to block cholesterol synthesis well um it's going to cause a that,
0: different problem right it, yeah. yeah is that good
1: well yeah it's good because it's lowering your blood cholesterol but at the same time it's a you have to ask the question: Why were you making all that cholesterol? You know, what mm-hmm. are you trying to do with that, right? So the cholesterol is involved in, in making hormones, you know, in making uh, in building cells. Uh, so what happens when you block that, right? The, and um, uh, yeah, so then then um, you have to consider that every, lots of drugs are blocking things, and um, and they're not necessarily blocking things in a sophisticated way, right? So they're, they're not. Um, let's say, go after the cholesterol synthesis, and say, oh, I'm going to allow this type of cholesterol to be made, but I'm going to, you know, affect some other subtype, you know. Usually, they're pretty rough, right? Of course, you know, things are getting better, in some cases, there are more sophisticated drugs, for example, those that are targeting the immune system, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they try to you know, let's say somebody has an autoimmunity, The drugs are trying to go after only a subset of sure. of immune function, so they don't they, they don't take away your, your normal immune function. But most of the immune uh, drugs will say uh, the chance of infectious infections is gonna go up, uh, and right. and the the risk of that from this and that. Yeah. So those that means that when they're in the trial they observed that uh, the risk of certain um, right. uh, diseases or infections went up and uh, and, and it's not surprising. Now you're blocking something, uh, something you know, else. That, that is trying to help you, right? But that is also hurting you by, let's say, attacking your own cells. Mm. So, yeah, no matter what, uh, what system you look at, what type of drug, um, you know, cancer drugs, right? Let's say immunotherapy. Well, lots of good, right? Because, you know... It changed uh, the, the survival in several types of cancers. Mm. Uh, but then again, now some people are going to have the immune system attacking the, right, the, right. the normal cells. And, 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 uh, and so there's lots of side effects caused by immunotherapy, sure. right? So, yeah. So I think that... Uh, so it's best
0: to figure out what's the root cause of it. Try to get to the root first before using the drug is what
1: I'm hearing you say. Yeah, let's take diabetes. Let's take yeah. the, doc, the doctor that we were talking about earlier. Right, so he's got diabetes, he's got hypertension. He had four medications. He was on and four medications, right? So, and he was going to be on his way within, I would say, two or three years of having to inject insulin with the pancreas being, you know, irreversibly damaged. Wow. Right. Wow. So, so um, you know, so right there, you see that what should have been done. You, you knew how to do it, now you could say, oh, lots of people are not gonna be able to do it. Well, of course they're not, if they don't have the team. Right? Yeah. If they it's don't have the team, yeah. and we already see, for example, in Holland, we did a clinical trial, a multi a multi-centered clinical trial, where, where we did not have a centralized registered dietitian calling people up, and knowing the system, and the compliance, so the, the percentage of patients that did uh, more than three or four Cycles of the fasting-making diet together with chemo went down to like 35% or something mm. like that. When we do it with the dietitian calling you then we're up 70 80 90 percent, right?
0: So you mean just the, the dietitian calling you for accountability to check in once a week or once a month and saying are you yeah. doing what you're supposed to do? And
1: yeah. how are you feeling? Uh. Here's what you can expect from this, right? How are you feeling? Did you eat anything else? Uh. Can I help you? You know? Yeah, so that co- completely changes the, uh, the ability uh, and the willingness mm. and, uh, of, of a patient to do it. So, yeah, so I think it's one thing is to say to a patient, change your diet. And one thing is to say, don't worry about it. We got the team. We're going to help you. You know, and and at the beginning you're gonna know, have lots of questions, lots of calls, and then you know after a couple of months you're gonna say mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I know. Yeah, I I got know it. What I'm, I'm doing
0: to. it. I'll check in less. Yeah, I'm
1: doing it, and now you have you know continuous glucose monitors. We use that on this doctor, for example, really? right? So yeah, we were able to you know without I- him an even, an even an seeing app. it, yeah. we were following his his fasting glucose, adjusting to it. So call, we will call him and say. Okay, what did you do? Did you eat something uh, last night? And, oh, yeah, last night I had a big dinner. <laughs> and, uh, uh, yeah, so I think that um, the, the technology is, is a big help. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, you know, just in also uh, making it easier for the clinic to, to do the job. You know.
0: Did this doctor, was he uh, obese as well? And did he lose a lot of weight in this process?
1: He was overweight. Uh, he, he lost uh, he lost weight. He didn't lose it wasn't somebody that lost forty pounds, you know. Right. He must have lost uh, I don't know, maybe around ten pounds or something like that.
0: But he reversed a lot of the challenges internally in his
1: body. Well, that's a that's a trick, right? That the, the the you know, it was losing weight, but that wasn't so. So there seems to be two two factors, right? Uh-huh. The, uh, one is going after let's say blood pressure and in uh, other uh, issues that he that he had. But that wasn't really changing his insulin resistance, right? So that was solved by the fasting mimicking diet. And mm-hmm. So, uh, so there's probably that switch that keeps the body in let's store fat mm-hmm. to let's use fat, and and that's what needs to be unlocked. Um, and yeah, so that the combination of uh, the, the correct everyday diet and that a diet that forces that unlocking process is, is, seems to be key.
0: If someone's just like, you know, they're, they don't, they don't need any medication for anything. They're pretty, they're pretty fine, except for they're overweight or they've got 40 pounds to lose. And they're just, they just care about fat loss and losing the weight. What would be the process you would suggest to them? Is it the fasting mimicking diet once every four to six months? And, a, and the longevity diet, is it something else included in that? What would you recommend there?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, in, in the in the book, The Longevity Diet, uh, uh, you know, I, I describe all of it, but I would say uh, the longevity diet, pescetarian, you know, uh, mm-hmm. up to age 65, 70, let's say, um, the one we described earlier, the 12 hours. 12 hours, um, yeah. The 150 minutes a week of uh, exercise, uh, and uh, and I think you know for anybody that can do it, one hour a day of walking. You know, so find mm-hmm. a find a restaurant that is fifteen minutes away or a coffee shop and go there twice. You know, uh, that that's one hour of walking.
0: What was the exercise amount? How much a week?
1: One hundred and fifty minutes a week. So the, uh, this is based on- Two and a half hours,
0: just two and a half hours. A week,
1: yeah. That's it, of working out, of
0: some strenuous exercise. Yeah,
1: running, biking, uh, swimming. Uh, that doesn't have to be strenuous. Uh, I think only about 10% of that. Uh, so about 15 minutes has to be strenuous. Know? Okay. You know, so out of the 150, uh, push yourself for 15. So try to push the limits, you know, where your heartbeat bit, goes, yeah. goes, goes so, high. So
0: two and a half hours a week of that type of workout. And on top of that, an hour of walking. Every day.
1: Yeah. Then on top of that, every day, you know, uh, stairs, don't use elevators. No. You know, just your body is not made for all this. Just uh, sitting around, uh, standing assistance. around. Yeah. 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 So, how, so how
0: important is the hour a day of walking? I think it's very important. Really? Yeah.
1: I think it's very important. And, and I think when I go around the world and talk to centenarians, you always get the ones that were shepherds, mm. that were working in the field. Uh, I mean, uh, the majority of them had sort of some type of manual labor, you know, Mm. and so I I think it's very important also psychologically to Mm -hmm. just, you know, be out there and you know, just walk and and, and get used to that and get used to the stairs, you know, and uh, I always uh, show my students uh, this um, escalator in the uh, in the metro of Genova and so you have the stairs and you have the escalator, and you have like two hundred people on the escalator, not a single person on the stairs, you know. And uh, that so we turn into, uh, uh, you know, systems that are, are continuously dependent on cars and and mm-hmm. uh, and um, you know and machines that do the job for us, you know. Right. So the elevator and uh, okay, and, you know. So there, there is really um, even. If you think about gardening and and the, some of the things that you, you see maybe in the in Japan in Okinawa, um, eventually even something like gardening can, can mean a lot of uh, um, a lot of mm-hmm. physical uh, exercise.
0: off your next 12-pack, head to Amazon and use promo code 20PureLeaf. That's promo code 20PureLeaf for 20% off. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Yeah, you're on your knees. You're squatting. You're you know you're using your body in different ways to to get in there and stuff like that. You're not just sitting around the whole day.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that that's very important. And then uh, I would say um, I I do it myself. And for all the people that tend to gain weight, and and, uh, and I'm one of them. Um, the um, I usually do uh, breakfast and I do dinner and uh, either no lunch. Like you know, when I when I go to Italy, I, I have lunch also because it's it's hard for me not to have lunch yeah. there. But when I come back to the states, like say Monday through Friday, I don't have lunch. I just have coffee for lunch. You know, like a tall coffee, and that's it. And um, and that's helped me for the past you know twenty years. Really helped me and help a lot of people that we follow in the clinics. Um, yeah. So that that's for not for everybody, but I would say for most people, that's like that's a great way to control weight. Uh, without adding any um, problems, you know, because again, you don't want to skip breakfast. Dinner, most people don't want to skip uh, right. because of, you know, dinner is just friends and family and just, you know. So, uh, so you're, you're, and Monday to Friday. So, th- okay. th- th- even the lunch on the Sunday weekend is probably uh, not a good idea, right? Um, and, um, wow. But Monday to Friday, I find it extremely easy. And, and I usually, I, I still remember the, fir- the when I d- first did it 20 years ago, very difficult, right? The, to skip lunch. Yeah. The first m- month and a half of skipping lunch it was extremely difficult for me. And then now having lunch or not having lunch makes no difference. You know? wow. bit, no difference. I, I would say that uh, it's almost neutral effect, you know. If you take away my breakfast or my dinner and now it. i'm back to that behavior or when i first started it might cooking. take a few months but it's not going to have the benefits in your body and longevity well, I mean, no, if, if dinner could, right? If okay. you skip dinner, it could, you know, lots of centenarians uh, eat no dinner or very little dinner. They have breakfast,
0: lunch, and then they but, stop yeah, at three
1: o'clock and... Yeah, that's very common. Uh, nobody studied that, right? So so huh. I think it's a little bit less risky right now, knowing all we know mm-hmm. that you keep, uh, uh, you know, you have a snack a little bit, you have breakfast and dinner and a little snack in between. Uh, that's a good way to control weight and not introduce any, any potential problems. If you skip dinner, it could turn out that, you know, 10 years down the road, we find out the same, that was true for breakfast, skipping is true oh. for, for, now you're gonna have too many hours of fasting and, uh, and now you're back to, uh, to the good and the bad, right?
0: So you think no more than 12 hours of fasting is, is key, right? 12 hours only,
1: well, on I average. Mean, we, we know that 16 hours got problems associated with, associated wow. with it. And um, and so you know 16 hours can be good for short periods for a, uh, a week or something but even not... for a couple of months you know if, okay. if somebody had diabetes and the physician said, you know we're gonna put you mm-hmm. on, on this 16 hour for two months, let's get you down and then, and then we you know we put you on the longevity diet or whatever or diet yeah, I think that that's reasonable you know that just to unlock a little bit the person to uh, to get them you know lower, to get them to lose some weight and, and uh, lose some of the abdominal fat yeah. that, that may be helping them also maybe psychologically get into a uh, you know a modality where they they're going to change their diet yeah
0: so no lunch so um a lunch fast is what we're looking to do wow that's interesting so you've been doing that for 20 years I've been doing that for twenty years. No, most of the time, no lunch. Yeah, and
1: I mean, I, do I think it's.
0: Bre- do you have a big breakfast then, or is it like no, what, do, no, what do you I usually have, eat for breakfast?
1: No, I have an apple and uh, some, uh, you know, almond uh, spread, some and almond butter, almond and chocolate and spread, and and then some. It's called friselle. It's like dry bread from Italy, like uh, uh, from the south of Italy. It's that very, sounds good. Very good. So You have
0: an apple with some spread, some bread, and tea. Yeah, and tea. That's your breakfast. That's my breakfast. No lunch. What time do you usually eat breakfast? Let's say
1: 9 o'clock. eight nine o'clock. thirty, nine o'clock. yeah.
0: And then no lunch. And then do you have an earlier dinner, later dinner? How's that? Oh, no, then I
1: have dinner about 8. 8 o'clock. Yeah.
0: Is there a time we should stop eating dinner to help us with fat loss or with Yeah, longevity? I
1: would say, you know, three hours from bedtime, you know, so. Okay. So, yeah, and, and this is what I do, but people can be shifted to 7 a.m., say 7 a.m., 7 p.m., Right, and then they go to bed, they uh, say, at 10, you know, I go to bed at maybe midnight, um and I stopped eating at nine so yeah so I I pretty much follow all the things that I that I preach that's
0: good so the longevity diet 12 hour fasting daily in that window one hour daily of walking two and a half hours a week of of working out eat breakfast and dinner skip lunch Monday through Friday if you can do the weekend if you if
1: you're weight gainer or you're overweight or you're obese If you have normal weight, then you can eat five times a day. Right, okay. Normal weight, the normal uh, abdominal circumference. So you're not accumulating fat. You know, let's say somebody's got 12%, 13% fat. They
0: don't need to skip lunch.
1: They don't need to skip anything. They might need to eat more.
0: (laughs) Gotcha, okay. And you mentioned in this team, uh, you know, if we could have this, this, if everyone could have a team around them, you mentioned a psychologist. Why is a psychologist important for... Uh, you know, healthy weight control and longevity.
1: I think that, um, you know, this everything is about uh, the mind and, uh, mm. and your ability uh, to, to, to follow certain things and, and to do them and, uh, they, and that gets even worse for somebody that's got cancer or got a, a disease. But even somebody that, that has nothing, just, uh, you know, let's say the seven out of 10 Americans that are overweight um, you know it, it, the psychologist can, can make a tremendous difference you know, in, in, in allowing you to, to see the, the, the maybe the problems that are behind the eating overeating or, mm. or, or not being able to be disciplined right because yes. in the end, you have to have this discipline, some type of discipline, right? So you have to have it for the exercise, you have to have it for the hour walk, you have to have it for the 12 hours. All of this takes some form of discipline.
0: Structure, order, scheduling, discipline, yeah.
1: Yeah, so I think that a psychologist uh, can can probably help you get there. It might not get everybody there, but I would say that it's probably a, a, perc- a large percentage of people wow. that uh, would benefit from having a professional, understand why, you're not able to make those changes and, um, and then, you know, allow you to get there in, in, uh, in a way that is uh, easy enough and, mm-hmm. and also permanent, right? So yeah. the worst thing you could do is do an, a diet, you know, so change nutrition and then go, lose a lot of weight and, and, go and then go back, right? It's mm. much better to never change, right? <laughs> And I'm talking about it's much better for longevity. So this is being studied. You do this yo-yo more than a couple of times in your life, you're gonna live shorter, right? Really? So, Why so, is that? Well, nobody knows, right? But, um, but uh, this is being shown by epidemiological studies. So people that have lost, I think it was more than 10% of their weight, at least twice in their life. Um, so they've done some type of- Extreme, you know, heavy, heavy nutritional uh, change. And they, uh, they live shorter than those that just kept the same weight, but never bothered to, to, uh, mm, to
0: lose it. Anymore. Interesting. And what do you think is the main cause for 7 out of 10 Americans being overweight and obese? Is it lack of discipline, lack of knowledge, uh, just abundance of food available that they're just eating? Is it I, they I don't think, care? They're not educated? What's the... No, I think it's the
1: system. Yeah. System. The, the whole system is structured. Uh, You know, the food companies. The food marketing. The food companies make a lot of money selling everything. And the food company, each individual can say, look, don't blame me, I'm just selling French fries. You know, am am I a bad person because I sell French fries? No, you know, it's okay to allow people to eat some French fries. Um, But then you have the medical system that that basically says, you know, we're not that interested in nutrition, Uh, we're interested in treating people. And then you have the hospital making a lot of money uh, you know, because people charging are sick. and the insurance company pay for it. So the entire system is loves it like this, right? The funny thing is, of course, all the people that are working for these companies that sell food and hospitals are the are the patients themselves, you know. Oh, right. And that's the ironic part, right? That uh so yeah, so I think that that you have to change all the way from the journalist uh to the TV commercials to the yeah, you know, the, the the entire system has to right. change. <clears throat> and so we kind of like it happened for, for smoke, right? You have to sort mm-hmm. of say, yeah, this is not good for you. <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> so at some point, then the system said, you know, smoking kills you. And, uh, <clears throat> and then that did not um, change everything, but certainly it cut the smokers in health and right. maybe <clears throat> a little bit over health right now. Right. <clears throat> so that's, that's good. That's a big victory, right? That, that's a big victory. So now if we say bad food kills you, and, and we put it in, in, in all l- labels,
0: like in smoking.
1: Yeah, and, and you know all the television sing this this uh, story, and and the, the universities and the hospitals, and yeah, then you're not gonna see everybody, uh, but out of the seventy-two percent or so, I think we go down to thirty-five. Wow, uh, or, or so.
0: You know? What's the obesity? And you grew up in Italy,
1: right? What's what's the obesity level there? It's very, getting very close to the, the children. I wrote a book last year in Italian and uh, which I'll, I'll publish here soon. And it's called Longevity Starts in Childhood. And uh, the overweight percentage in Italy surpassed the United States Come in, on. in the children. Yeah. Really? How is that possible? Obesity was higher for the US and overweight uh, percentage was higher for Italy. And, and if you could look at Southern Italy, it's much higher. How's that possible? Same problem. Same system, really? the system lots of confusion, create lots of confusion. And so nobody knows what you're supposed to do anymore. Uh, create lots of drugs, mm. lots of commercials, you know, uh, and all the magazines are just packed with commercial... Uh, really? Drugs and food, huh? Food and drugs. We're just surrounded by by advertisement of food and drugs. So get, this sick, get sick. Eat the food
0: and then have the drug. To have the
1: drug and the hospital that... The, <coughs> that um,
0: to make you feel good again. That takes care of this, you know. Wow.
1: And then, of course, in the process, we go bankrupt because... You know, 17 percent of GDP, right? So (laughs) that's a a lot. That's a very expensive uh, process, right? So, what's the healthiest
0: country in the world? um, And what are they doing differently?
1: That's a good question. Um, I would say that um, Japan is certainly. Um, still among those that don't have a big, big uh, obesity, obesity and overweight problem. I'm sure there are there is a percentage, but it's not. Yeah, no, there, obviously there is a percentage, but there, I, I think it's very far from the 70% uh, of, of the U.S. and I think 50% or so of Italy. Uh, and most Europe, by the way. Right? It's not Italy special. It's like, most it's of just Europe is 50% over. now. Yeah, most Europe is around 50%. And uh, so um, overweight and obesity. Um, yeah, so I, I think that the Japan is probably one of the examples uh, of uh, doing a better job, for sure, than, than uh, most of other countries. And uh, um, so it can be done. I mean, it's just pretty straightforward, if you think about it. Uh, but it just involves everybody, right? You cannot, uh, you cannot have people like me going around and saying, you know, uh, eat like this, eat like that. If the doctors, the, the dietitians, the, you know, CNN and everybody else, uh, if they don't get on board, it's hard, it's too it's, much
0: confusion. It's not gonna happen. And then people are just exhausted or tired and then just eat whatever they want.
1: Yeah, then, you know, then of course, uh, <laughs> low fat, right? For 20 years, low fat, low fat, and people are gaining weight, right? Mm. And then it's like, oh no, no, it's not fat. It's gotta be carbs, low carb, low carb, and people are gaining weight, right? So so in both the low fat era and in the low carb era, the Americans and Europeans have gained weight, right? So because, why? Because we're eating too much, too many calories and from both fat and and sugars mm-hmm. and carbohydrates right so so um, so in uh, proteins right so we have more of everything right and uh, and that's a problem so in it, it's just easier for for the media to demonize it used to be uh, fat and now it's um, it's carbs and, Sugar, and at some point yeah. maybe will contribute to demonizing proteins which we're not trying to do because we're saying Hey, you know, a healthy level of protein is essential for for yeah. making it to to uh, you know 110 healthy. But um, but it just uh, I remember when we published in 2014 um, a paper on, on proteins, um, and we showed that it was two phases of life, right? As I mentioned earlier, up to 65 low protein, then after 65 go to a moderate protein intake, and maybe you can have a, a, a more of a variety of food, right? So a little bit more meats and, and, and yogurts. Mm-hmm. And, et cetera, et cetera. and I remember one of the big uh, uh, national shows that the physician went on, on TV and looked at our papers, like, oh, well, low protein, and then it changes. Too confusing. I'm, it was two things, right? <laughs> it was very simple, right? But even just the fact that we had described two phases of life to the physician on television was too confusing, you know? and uh, uh, yeah. So that's a message that that uh, we give people. It, it just got to be one word, you know, high this, low that. Then you know, uh, people can understand it. If it's more than that, it's too confusing, and sure. uh, yeah. So then, of course, uh, then of course, people are gonna suffer right. the consequences of this. How much
0: does your environment play into longevity, like? the the space you live in the city the weather you know how much does that play into your your beyond nutrition your longevity
1: probably a little bit but not a big big effect you know so i think uh you know new york i I think it's got a lot of people that live long long lives new york city and um yeah so new york city does new york city does yeah really why is that Probably because, you know, they're pretty wealthy, and they have good doctors, <laughs> and they have good food, you know, and, uh, yeah, so.
0: Community, and they got people around. Yeah, I mean, you,
1: you know, you, you get the checkups, you're eating healthy, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and um, you know, even though you're in a very stressful city full of people, and, and probably polluted, et cetera, et cetera. So, I think, you know, you could do uh, very well, no matter where you are. It might take a couple years off your life, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you're in a highly polluted uh, area, but... Uh, but I think, you know, um, if you look at, um, you know, the, the abdominal circumference and diabetes and you see that, uh, you know, the, the, your chances of, of getting diabetes go up, you know, tenfold. If you have a bigger uh, Yeah. So, uh, so then, and then, you know, your chances of developing cardiovascular disease and, and cancer, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's very clear what's at the center of, of uh, the diseases and, and longevity. Uh, you know, that doesn't mean that uh, other things are not important, uh, but also if you look at the our field, you know, if you look at the, the, the uh, animal research, after 100 years, I would say the consensus is that nutritional interventions are by far the most powerful That's in making key. a mouse live longer, right, uh, or making a rat live longer, or, mm-hmm. or any, a monkey live longer, I would mm-hmm. say that Um, You know, there are some drugs and and, and, and interventions that are are emerging now, but I would say if you took a hundred scientists working on aging, I would say 90 will say, yeah, probably some type of nutrition-based intervention is going to be the one that that I would pick to make uh, any any organism live longer.
0: Wow. So this is really discovery from the last 20 years that you guys have been, you and a bunch of other people in your industry have been studying and researching, right? We found that this nutritional
1: changes can really support the longevity. You know, the, the dietary restriction work has started like a hundred years ago. Okay. Right? And just what happens if you lower? But then, as I was saying, what happens is that you have lots of good and lots of bad, right? Uh-huh. So, so, so now uh, I think what we and a few others have contributed to uh, the nutrition and the restriction field is uh, can we remove the bad and keep the good, you know? Uh, and, you uh, know, of course, that that, that that that's a that's a big uh, factor, right? So, can mm. you, um, let's say that continuous calorie restriction is going to make you lose uh, muscle mass. We've shown in the clinical trial, and we are about to confirm that, uh, no muscle mass loss with FMDs, right? Mm. With fasting mimicking diet. Uh, so, no muscle
0: loss. No, with, no muscle with, loss. And even in, with in the patient... Five, with five days, if it's longer, would it be some muscle loss or...?
1: Yeah, of course. You know, okay, if gotcha. it's longer, eventually you have, you have, no, you have no, no food, it's no <laughs> impossible yeah. to, to yeah. keep your muscle. But but even in the women in, in, that did it for eight cycles, you know, once every month or two, uh, if they did a the little light training, uh, muscle training exercise, they actually gained lean uh, yeah. body mass, right? So, huh. yeah, so um, th- that's one. Uh, immune system, well, that's another um, issue about calorie restriction where... Uh, is your immune system gonna be weakened by having this continuous restriction uh, or by potentially also having continuous dietary interventions, say, every day, mm-hmm. 16 hours, every day, every other day, fasting. It's a very chronic uh, intervention, right? So, so then there is a suspicion that, um, that you, could, you know, you could negatively affect the immune system. Um, well, again, we're seeing, if anything, the opposite, right? So with periodic fasting making diets, we see... At least in mice, we show very clearly the the blood stem cells are getting activated in the bone marrow, and now you're gener- you're rejuvenating the immune system, right? So, uh, yeah, so I think that's uh, that um, much more sophisticated type of intervention and less burdensome, right? That that that's both are necessary. Mm-hmm. You have to be more sophisticated, but you with the, you have to use the sophistication to make sure that it's very easy on people, right? So. Uh, you know, can you do five days of, uh, of uh, something that comes in a box twice a year? I would say 90% of people can do that. Sure. Uh, you know, are they gonna, are they gonna, you know, like it? Are they nah. Probably half of them are not gonna like it. Um, and the other half are probably gonna feel pretty good about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about not the sort of response we see. Some people right. would say I, I do it because I have to do it. Some people say I love doing it because I feel better mm-hmm. when I do it. But uh, I think that's uh, that's certainly um, you know a change compared to um, to what we used to have. And I right. mean you know we're, we're there's other things. I think that the, the, the time we sitting eating was Sachin Panda is doing I think is is great, um, and um, and there are a few other things that. Um, you know the, the certain ketogenic diet. I think um, f- for brief periods that's interesting. what I think Eric Verdin and others are doing. I think there are some uh, interesting um, um, aspects of that. You know, is there a a, a for okay. example? Lots of data now are suggesting if you go low carb, it's fine. If it's a vegan uh, diet, mm. right? So if it's low, if it's low carb, animal based, it's not good at all. You're it's gonna have a shorter life. Really, but if yeah, this is meta-analysis, like the studies of all studies. But if it's low carb and it's plant-based, then it seems to be like the best uh, diet. You know, say forty percent carbohydrate, plant-based. That seems to be the best uh, mm. uh, diet of all, right? So, uh, so interesting. Um, so interesting thing that a few people are studying, and we're starting to study it. Today.
0: It seems like there are there. Are a lot of people that that have lean, you know, red meats that are that are healthy, that look great, that have clear skin, that that seem to be aging well, is is red meat something that they, we should be looking out for in the future, or is a certain amount of it okay?
1: Uh, it depends what are uh, what your goals are. Let's <laughs> say, right? So somebody somebody could say, look, you know, I eat uh, red meat once a week. Um, I have the organic kind, you mm-hmm. know, that is grass fed and, um, is that gonna be really bad for me? Probably not. Right? Got so it. Probably not. Um, but, um, you know, then most people say, oh, I have, uh, you know, I have the red meat, the steak once a week. Then I have the sausage once a week. Then I, you know, for breakfast, I have a bacon. Yeah. Yeah, then you put it all together and then you get into a Western diet, you know? And the Western diet mm-hmm. is what we use to, uh, you know, uh, to, let's say, shorten the lifespan. We just published a paper in mice and we had this, like, Western high-fat, uh, high-calorie diet. And, you know, you see the mice just dying much but earlier. Really? Right? Yeah, they get big and they die very early, right? <sighs> they, with lots of problems, high cholesterol, heart problems. Uh, so, yeah, so then um, it, it's pretty clear that, you um, you know, by having a Western diet full of animal uh, proteins and animal fats, you're gonna have a problem, you know. Uh, we're gonna have many problems, not just mm. one. And, you know, um, our point has been, you got one life, probably, uh, you know, it's relatively short, I would say, right? And uh, and and so, um, how uh, do you optimize this life, right? And so, yeah, to optimize it, I would say, go with the longevity diet. Yeah. But then, you know, as, as many Americans will say, and many people in Europe, I can't do this, you know. Can I have one steak a week? Okay, you know, that, that, that's, uh, that's fine. It's probably not gonna, it might make no difference to you in your life. It might make some difference, you uh, no, who knows. But certainly, um, and, and by the way, this is what the most of the centenarians used to do, you know. Have, let's say, meat, red meat once a week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was very common you know so right. so it, it wouldn't uh it wouldn't be that far from uh i think the okinawans probably not but i would say that that most uh you know southern european uh centenarians had the red meat uh at least once a month and maybe right. uh, maybe once a week uh, gotcha. yeah. so very little
0: not as much not every day not a few times a week but the less you can do it seems to be the better for longevity
1: yeah and 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 again it's not really about red meat it's about lots of you know animal products Mm. the milk products you know the 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 white meats the red meats lots of them treated with antibiotics uh lots of them having high levels of uh, hormones maybe steroid hormones and and yeah so it's um it's probably um uh you know the combination of all these animal-based products that uh, each contributing a little bit to the to some mm-hmm. you know inflammatory problems, to increasing the growth factors, to increase increasing the uh, glucose level in the blood. Uh, so you put it all together and you keep on going, right. um, and okay. um, and and then you get uh, you know you, then you get you know the, the problems, multiple yeah. diseases that most people in Europe and America have. <laughs>
0: What would you say, what do you think based on your studies, almost 30 years that you've been in this field, what do you think we're going to discover in the next 30 years that we haven't discovered yet about you know longevity, optimizing our health? Is there anything you think maybe this could happen or we could discover this new thing or we're early stages, but there's not enough data and research yet? Is there anything you see in either changing the gene or nutrition or something? that could extend our lifespan even more?
1: Yeah. First of all, I think, you know, I call the Nutri-Technology, right? So the, you know, the, the nutrition field used to be uh-huh. sort of like a soft science, you know, just a lot of ideas and observation. Now it's moving into a hard science, science you know, yeah. exactly what kind of amino acids are in that composition and uh, what is the frequency, et cetera, et cetera. So I think the Nutri-Technology is going to get better and better and better and uh, and at some point also we're going to combine it with artificial intelligence and so you know it's going to revolutionize i think in the next mm, 10 15 years really? yeah so if somebody has a problem let's say it could be an immune problem it could be uh, a gastrointestinal problem it could be diabetes and and uh, i think at some point we'll be able to pinpoint uh, uh, exactly let's say you have celiac disease right it's an autoimmunity. Um, and it's caused by gluten, mm. uh, you know. 30 years ago, nobody knew that, right? So you were eating pasta and bread and uh, suffering like hell, and uh, and people had no idea, they just load you up with drugs, right? So now, uh, no, no drugs, just avoid gluten, you know, that's yeah. it, you know, and, and then you cure. Uh, so yeah, so then imagine, so we know that, it's very clear, or lactose, and lactose intolerance, right? Yeah. You, you know, if you're Japanese, uh, most Japanese are going to be lactose intolerant genetically. Uh, so if you drink milk and you're not feeling so well, well, you, know, up, you yeah. have a simple solution, right? And, and right. Uh, yeah. So imagine how many of those there are that we don't know about. And 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 with you know uh, omics, so be able to look at the microbiota composition, but also look at the um, there, is, there is something called metabolomics. It looks at all the molecules in the blood that change, and, and eventually, very soon, we'll be able to relate that to what you're eating, right? So, so then we'll be able to say, you need to avoid these six foods, and you need to have higher level of these another uh, 10 foods, and that's gonna solve the problem. So that, that's, I think, uh, mm. a big, uh, it's gonna have a, a, a lot of uh, potential. And, uh, and then I think you know uh, we'll see a lot of bionics, you know so really we'll see a lot of uh, you know probably artificial uh, you know organs and uh, and yeah it, it, people have been working on this for a long time and now this is there's a lot of excitement you know can you make a pancreas there is, uh there is artificial right? So yeah of course they're working on that and can you make kidneys that are artificial and, and the heart do we really have it you know so so yeah so I think that, in the next 30 years um, we're gonna see lots of this this machine slash uh, uh, human um, you know combined um. of course the longevity is a little bit trickier because you have to protect everything right, right. including the brain and the brain is a, true, is, yeah. a tough, uh, is a mm-hmm. tough is a tough organ to to uh, replace right sure. so and it's not gonna happen anytime soon but but I think that um, you know the people that have heart problems and uh, or type 1 diabetes or kidney problems and there's going to be a lot of a lot of these uh uh, or solutions artificial systems that are going to be introduced uh, that's crazy they're going to make a, a big difference
0: let's say you're born uh today uh what do you think is the potential lifespan someone could have and right now what is the the oldest age 120 or something or what's the one twenty-two. Yeah. One twenty-two. Someone living today, one twenty-two. No, no, that was somebody, the oldest. Uh,
1: Madame Calmont. Uh, she get. That's crazy. What's well, yeah. the? Who is the
0: oldest person today? I think right
1: now we're probably around one uh, seventeen. I 117. think somebody. Somebody must be around there. So if
0: someone's born today. With all you know, it's coming. All you know, we have right now, plus all this coming in the next 20 30 years, plus seventy years. What do you think is the potential, in your your your? Hypothesis as potential for lifespan.
1: I think that if the uh, brain is
0: protected and everything's protected, obviously. But what is?
1: Yeah, certainly. Um, I think that uh, there's going to be two groups, right? So the the world is going to be divided in two, and uh, there's going to be the ones that follow all the um, supported uh, strategies, right? So this is why in the first book I talk about five pillars, right? So you talk about epidemiological studies, clinical studies, basic research, centenarian studies. You know, instead of saying, oh, Longo thinks this, it's more like Longo puts together all this data Mm -hmm. and and then says, okay, it's just hard to imagine how this particular diet could not work, right? Mm -hmm. It's worked for this and this and this and this and this. Yeah, so I think there's going to be a group that follows all the right, that does all the right things. And then there are a group that continues on and the group that continues on the, the, the way they've been doing it now i think it's probably uh, we're gonna see a lifespan about the same but the but, uh, you know so it could be i don't know an average lifespan of, of 90
0: or 95 mm-hmm.
1: you know let's say and uh but then the other group i think is gonna instead we're gonna start seeing maybe the 105 uh mm-hmm. average lifespan right and uh you know of course the drugs are gonna be there and, and you know and, mm-hmm. and the drugs can make a difference with their, or, or their surgery, right? Can make a difference whether you die when you're 22, right. or you make it to 105, right, or 110. Yeah, so I think that all together the with the technology, plus the nutrition, plus, 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 uh, I wouldn't be surprised then if you have a population uh, that follows all this, that, that gets to, to 105 years of age, average, lifespan, wow. you know? Uh, so that means that health of them will live longer than that, and mm-hmm. health of them will live a little bit shorter. Sure. inspiring uh, with with some people maybe making it to the 125 130 um you know range you know as you have a a population let's say let's say a billion people followed all this for the next 120 years uh it'd be surprising that one of them Mm. would not let's say get to 130 that'd be amazing 130 years that's crazy right yeah, it's they, inspiring. It they, would be a long life, but
0: you, you mentioned the f- uh, five pillars. What are the, the five uh, pillars for increasing longevity? That you just mentioned.
1: Yeah, so the the five pillars, you know, epidemiological studies were the studies of the numbers, right? The population, mm-hmm. hundred thousand uh, okay. pe- people that eat lots of cheese and people people that don't. Um, then the clinical studies, you know. So once you identify, let say, proteins uh, are too much protein, it's bad for you. You can you do a randomized trial where you see. Uh, people that have high-protein diet, people that have low-protein diet, and look at the changes, maybe not for, for 20 years, maybe for one year, mm-hmm. but you can already monitor that. Then the basic research. You know, okay, so you think a high-protein diet is bad for you, why don't you give a high-protein diet to mice? Uh, do, they have, do they live shorter? You know, they do, right? <laughs> so, 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 and, and do they have more diseases? They do. Oh, man. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so that, that's a third pillar. And then centenarians, you know, if you think a high-protein diet it's so bad for for all of us um let's go around the, the centenarians do they do they, any of them have a high protein diet nobody does right not, not the Okinawas, not loma linda not the sardinians not the the you know, so nobody does um mm. you know they might have a, a low protein most of them low protein uh, some of them may have a moderate protein diet but uh, you you don't see uh, a high protein mm. uh, famous population, I mean, population famous for making it to uh, 100 years of age. So so that's a good sign, right, it's another pillar. And then uh, complex systems, you know, uh, it's, I think it's always good to have a reductionist uh, approach and, and think of, of the human being as a, as a plane or a car, you know, something that is complicated, uh, sophisticated and complicated, you know, are mm-hmm. you, uh, I always use it, for example, when people ask, um, you know, shall I go running, you know, twenty miles a day, or shall I never run? Well, I I always say, well, if you keep your car in the garage all the time, not good, right? Uh if you drive your car all the time, well, not good not either. Good. Nobody wants uh, you know, a 10 year old car that's got 180,000 miles, right? <laughs> right. Nobody wants to buy that. Why why is that? It's like, oh well, it's a car that's been used a lot, it's good, right? No why well because we, the mechanic will say eh, it's just gonna break apart you know it's just a matter of time now the body has self-repair mechanisms which the car doesn't have but uh still you know the uh if it's overused uh it's gonna it's gonna break down right right this is inspiring is
0: there anything else we uh we should know about longevity or is this uh <laughs> this feels pretty I think you to covered me. It. <laughs> <laughs> this is inspiring to me you've got um uh An amazing book, The Longevity Diet, that people can get right now. Uh, It's inspiring. It's got a lot of this information plus more details and examples on how to really implement this in your life. Uh, The Fasting Mimicking Diet, which I did years ago, I want to redo again, which is the five day process of calorie restriction, plant-based specific types of foods and soups, I think it was, and some vitamins in there. Um, I'm not sure if it's changed from five years ago or if it's pretty much the same, but
1: pretty close pretty to close the same Yeah, because of clinical trials,
0: right? right yeah, so um, You've got that people can check out uh, WalterLongo.com, and they can learn more about that. The book is there the fasting mimicking um, pro- Program is there as well, correct?
1: Uh, well, the book the book talks about the fasting mimicking yeah. program. Yeah, and the foundations right of course the, the foundation here in Los Angeles create cures uh, it's a nonprofit a clinic, yeah. you know, and and we try to take care of people. Those that cannot afford it, they're not charged, and those that can afford really? it, uh, they uh, you know they pay a pretty low price. Yeah. Donation based or something else. Yeah. So, what is Create Cures? Is a
0: clinic here. It's the foundation.
1: It's, foundation. Ma- it's the foundation that I started years ago with the idea of like bringing creativity into uh, into medicine and. Uh, um, yeah, so it, it's here in, in Santa Monica, and the idea is to do what we discussed earlier. You know, to have the team, the, the nutritionist, the, wow. the, the physician, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Still, the Italian one is more advanced. The American one is in in its early days, but I think it's it's getting there. Yeah.
0: Who is a good um, candidate for this uh, foundation to be a part of it?
1: You mean to be a patient, or yeah, to, to be a patient? Yeah, anybody? I mean, so there's people that. That are healthy, There are people that are, you know, athletes, and but uh, there are people with cancer. You know, there are people with uh, autoimmunities, and uh, yeah. So we try to um, to um, you know uh, work with doctors at, mm. at the big hospitals in town or, or small hospitals to um, to uh, try to what, help them.
0: What's the process look like if someone like me wanted to go there and check it out? What would I? What would the process be like?
1: Well, just you know, call the, the call the clinic or email them. Okay. And uh, createcures.org and then um, you know set up an appointment and um, you know they can get, get you set up with blood tests uh, um, and then or you can have your your own blood test and then uh, and they, they
0: analyze and they kind of put you on a game plan or a process
1: yeah then then uh, they uh, they implement uh, the, the different approaches uh, you know of course very different from somebody who's healthy right. who might just get the longevity diet and and then you know measures of let's say muscle function and muscle mass and, uh versus oh. somebody's ca- cancer in, in which case now we, we need to talk to the oncologist oh, so, yeah. that is treating them uh, and you know decide uh, you know can they do certain things can they not uh, um, is the oncologist favorable or mm-hmm. not uh, Gotcha. Um, yeah,
0: so. so your team assesses that and puts people on a plan and then supports them in that process yeah. you're saying it's it's free for people that can't afford it and then others you pay a certain amount
1: yeah, the the others is is pretty reasonable. Gotcha. Uh, so create, so I think there is a, probably a discount plan for sure. for everybody. Meaning, like even people that don't make that much money, right? Get a get a pretty heavy discount, you know. So
0: that's cool. Createcures.org. Yes. So anyone can go to the website, check it out, and see if there's a the right fit for them. That. Yes. That's cool. Okay, we got that. We got your book, the Longevity Diet. How else can we be of support to you? I, I checked out your Instagram. You're you're not that consistent on there, but you've got some great stuff on there. Some of it's in Italian, so. Uh, but if you want the English version, where should they go to the main website?
1: Yeah, fa- Facebook. We have uh, uh, we still have a, a page that is pretty active. Okay. And uh, we I have people that post on it. Uh, um, but um, yeah, I think uh, soon enough we'll uh, we'll have to uh, maybe invest a little bit more time in the in the various uh, social platforms, uh, platforms. Yeah, platforms yeah yeah
0: yeah but great stuff with the book and
1: the website and everything here
0: so how else can we support you and your mission
1: i think that that's it uh, with the send people to the create cures and and also you know donation of course it's a foundation that uh, that takes donation and if anybody uh we're trying now to do a uh, an event next year probably gonna be a race. Uh, in Los Angeles you oh, know, really? to, to raise funds, you know, so for, for the uh, for the foundation and, you know, so that we can uh, follow more people. and oh, that's cool. And, uh, and, and, and now we used to have doctors uh, and now uh, we realize that, you know, we need to wait until we have a California medical license. Uh, um, but that's a very expensive operation when physicians are, are also part of it. So that's why it's important for us to, to raise yeah. funds. In. That's cool. So a race. Like a 5K or... or we'll see. We'll there. see. We're now we're thinking of the details, but it's probably going to be May and, uh, and and yes, so we're going to have people that, um, that uh, you know, get other people involved. Nice. each I'm uh, in.
0: If I'm in town, I'll be in the race, okay. so I'm Thanks. excited. Thanks. Amazing. This is inspiring stuff. I've got a couple final questions for you. Uh, this is called the three truths question. I ask everyone this question at the end of an interview. So I'd like you to imagine a hypothetical scenario that it is your last day on earth, many years away. You live to however, you want, however old you wanna live. Um, you've followed your own plan, so you live over 100 and you, you live a great life. But for whatever reason, it's the last day. And you've gotta take all of your content, your books, this interview, anything you've ever said, you've gotta take it with you to the next place. Or it leaves the world. So we said,
1: only said? And written, oh, said, oh,
0: oh. any content. All content you've ever created, it's gone. So we don't have access to your information anymore. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But you have um, a piece of paper and a pen and you get to write down three lessons that you've learned in your life. And this is all we would have to remember the wisdom that you gained and you'd share with us. I call us the three truths. What would you say would be those three lessons or three truths for you?
1: Well, uh, for sure, take care of your health, mm-hmm. um, and that includes your mental health. Uh, I would say for sure, um, keep uh, what you need and donate rest. Uh, mm-hmm. I would say that that's probably a very um, a very important thing. And then I think that um, the third, would be I don't know maybe you know spend as much time as possible with the people that uh, that you uh, care about Mm -hmm. I love it
0: those are good truths it's good wisdom (laughs) well I want to acknowledge you before I ask the final question um, for your your commitment and dedication to serving so many people who have struggled with their health and are confused. I think there's a lot of confusion in the world and your commitment to science, research, clinical studies, all the different things that you've done in the last 30 years in the education system to bringing this wisdom to the world has been extremely helpful for so many people who have no clue what they're doing. So I really acknowledge you for for showing up consistently, for walking the talk, for uh, you know continuing the research and putting this out there in a powerful way it's really inspiring and you're you're helping people live longer and healthier lives so i appreciate that well thanks, thanks thanks yeah it's really inspiring my last question is what's your definition of greatness
1: um probably uh i i mentioned this in my first book you know change things in positive for as many people as possible yeah Right, you know, if you can if you can make it better for a billion people, mm. uh, you just uh, you know change a billion lives uh, for for the better. So, so yeah, so I think that's probably uh, greatness.
0: matter and now it's time to go out there and do something great